I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, tomorrow is the Feast of Pentecost. It's the day that we celebrate Christ sending his Holy Spirit upon the church, and really it's the birthday of the church. It's the day that uh, that the apostles went out and spread the good news really for the first time, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so as we begin this show, which we're going to focus on the, the person of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, uh, then let's go ahead and ask for the Holy Spirit's presence with us here today. One of my favorite prayers uh, that's also part of the novena that goes from um, from the Ascension on Thursday all the way to Pentecost here tomorrow. And it's a prayer that I first learned as a Protestant, uh, but it's come to be very meaningful to me, and I share it with you. You probably know it. If you do, why don't you pray it along with me? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So this is a topic Uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. That's very interesting to me, and we'll get into the reasons here a little bit later uh, in the show. We're going to be talking today with Sister Mary Carolyn. She is the Vocations Director for the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George, uh, and she's going to be joining us by phone a little bit later. So as we are talking about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, I want to talk just a little bit about what Pentecost is is. Uh, Pentecost is the culmination of the 50 days of Easter. It's that very last day, and it is uh, it is the day that we recognize, as I said earlier, the day that we recognize that the church was born. It's the church's birthday. And some people have asked, why do we have 50 days of Easter? It seems like an arbitrary number. Uh, and the answer is, it's not arbitrary at all. Uh, just like with Good Friday, where Christ was crucified on the the Passover, just on the eve of the Passover, that feast, which was a Jewish feast, uh, before it became a very significant day for us. So too, uh, Pentecost is a Jewish feast. Pentecost is the it was the Greek name with those who were uh, Hellenized Jews. It was the Greek name of the feast of Shavuot or the feast of weeks, uh, and, and so. What we have in this feast is this was a a double-purpose feast. First, it it commemorated the wheat harvest in the land of Israel. Uh, Secondly, it commemorated the anniversary of the day that God gave the law, the Torah, to the whole nation of Israel uh, assembled at Mount Sinai. So here we have a feast celebrating bread and a feast celebrating God giving his plan to mankind, right? So are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Here we are. Uh, Now, Christ fulfills that feast uh, by giving us the bread of life and by revealing to us God's plan for mankind on earth and giving us the church, which brings us, therefore, the Eucharist. And so here we are on this day, not just arbitrarily celebrating, but, but really 
kind of amazed at the way that God laid this out. These feasts he shows us in this in this process uh, of of dying on the Passover, right? This process of of rising and then giving life to his church through the Holy Spirit on Shavuot. It shows us that God is very interested in these feasts. These feasts revealed to the nation of Israel something about who he was, and now they reveal to us something about who he is. Uh, as Christ really celebrated in a very profound way these feasts and fasts of the Jewish faith, he revealed to them the fullness of what these things meant Uh as he was the Messiah they were looking for. And he is now our Messiah, we who have been grafted into that people. And so here we have this day where we celebrate God giving us wheat, the bread of life, and God revealing his plan for mankind in that he sends the Holy Spirit upon his church, giving it life, and and making a way for us to be in relationship with him. Yes, the cross is what gave us the opportunity to be in relationship with him. But here at Pentecost, he gives us the means to be in relationship with him. The presence of the Holy Spirit by which he says, I do not leave you as orphans, but I will send to you the paraclete. And that's a Greek word, which means uh, that the one who comes alongside to help. And so we are not left alone. As Christ has ascended into heaven and, and we no longer had, the, the apostles no longer had him present, uh, you know, going about their daily lives with him, walking with him, eating with him. And yet we have now, through the Holy Spirit, uh, the presence of the Trinity right with us at every moment, not bound by time or space, right? Jesus, as a human person, could only be in one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit now is present to all of us in every place and now in every time. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit today. It's a somewhat of a, an ambivalent topic to me, honestly, and that's because I grew up in a, a charismatic background, a, the charismatic Methodist church. And uh, I saw a lot of genuine relationships with the Holy Spirit, of people who are just really tapped in, hearing the voice of God and obeying the voice of God in in the mundane and in the extraordinary. But there's also a lot that I witnessed of really treating the Holy Spirit as if it was uh, something to be used and not a person to walk with. Uh, remember, the Holy Spirit, even though it's one of the, the more difficult concepts to wrap our mind around, he is a person of the Trinity, one of the three persons of the Trinity. And so he, we can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, just as we would with God the Father or God the Son, where they are, yes, together in one, and yet somehow, this whole Trinitarian conundrum and mystery, somehow they are distinct, distinct persons. And so I saw a lot of seeing the Holy Spirit as if the Holy Spirit was uh, the CGI effects in a great movie, that that's the thing that makes life really exciting, and that's where you see uh, spiritual gifts of that they would say of uh, really just the, the very demonstrable 
things that you would see in a Pentecostal service of uh, whether it be falling down on the Spirit or whether it be running around or whatever the case may be, uh, praying out loud in tongues. Those were things that that were sought after as an end unto themselves rather than as uh, a means. They were the, that was the thing that you wanted. You wanted to have this, uh, this emotive experience and this demonstrative uh, gift that you could display, that you could participate in. And, you know, as I have gotten further away from my childhood and grown in my Catholic faith now, those kinds of things I, I look at maybe with a little bit of skepticism, not because I don't think that the Holy Spirit can or even does act in those ways, but rather because I saw a number of people in my growing up years who seemed to seek after what was external rather than actually seek after the relationship and the will of God. They wanted that that experience rather than what the Holy Spirit is empowering us to do out in the rest of the world. They would rather see something uh, amazing and miraculous done by the Holy Spirit rather than those small, minute miracles of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, go and offer that person a cup of water, right? Something minor and minute and yet ever-present, that the Holy Spirit, if we will listen to him, will guide us, will help us to walk the Christian life, will help us to walk in grace, and not only that, but will empower us to live as missionary disciples, as those who follow after Christ and who share Christ, whether it be in a sermon or whether it just be through the way that we live our lives in love for one another, the way that we engage one another in the faith. And so this is always a difficult topic because I know lots of people who are still in the charismatic movement, both in the Catholic Church and outside of it, who have very deep relationships with God. And so I don't want to discount it entirely. And yet for me, there seems to be something deeper that calls to us, something more extraordinary than the demonstrative, something that that draws our spirits for the sake of what we have here at Pentecost, what we have here at, at Shavuot, for the sake of providing bread for the world, right? And providing and revealing the plan that God has for mankind, which God did both in the old feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, and he still does today in the Feast of Pentecost, if we'll only listen. So what is God asking you to do? Well, develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And how do I do that? Stick around, because just after this break, we're going to be talking with Sister Mary Carolyn. She is the vocations director of the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr of St. George, and she has uh, just a fabulous perspective on this, both from her own journey in her relationship with the Holy Spirit and as she looks at how Mary and the Church mirror one another in the operation and the role of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you join this conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls and talk to me about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. What does it look like? How do you experience it? We'll be right back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking about the Holy Spirit, as tomorrow is the Feast of Pentecost, the end of those 50 days of Easter. Uh, Today we have a great privilege. We're talking with Sister Mary Carolyn. She's the vocation director of the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm glad to be with you, Timothy. That's one of the longer names in in religious life. I always say the bottom line is that we're Franciscan, (laughs) and the brand is that we're the Martyrs of St. George. (laughs) Right. So, Sister, I did a little bit of research uh, about your story uh, and how you came to be a a Sister of St. Francis of the Martyr of St. George. And, And one of the things that I loved about your story was the way that it mirrored the story of of St. Francis. So as I read it, you were sitting there and you were a a DRE straight out of, you were out of college and you were working for the church. You were serving the church. uh, And, and yet there was still something as you were in the process of discerning and listening to the voice of the Holy spirit, still something that was not quite there, something that was missing. And one day you were gazing at the crucifix. Mm-hmm. And and in that moment of gazing at the crucifix, you knew uh, that your call was to be in religious life. And so I, I love that story because it's very similar to the story of St. Francis, who, as he was trying to figure out what to do with his life, uh, he was sitting in the chapel gazing at the crucifix, the San Damiano crucifix. And it was in that moment that he heard the voice of God come to him through the Holy Spirit uh, and said, St. Francis, look around and see that my church is in ruins. Rise and rebuild. So I love that that mirror image that you have, and specifically that it came as you are a Franciscan and he was a Franciscan, that that, that story of discerning that religious life is very much shared in common with St. Francis. Yeah. I guess I, I learned it from him, but really just, yeah, looking at the cross, the cross is always where the answer lies. Kind of what I found, even as my vocation continues to unfold and making final vows a couple of years ago and now stepping into this role to assist other women in discerning their vocations, like, nope, the answer is going to lie in the cross. And so uh, that's, where, that's where you'll find it, and that's where you'll find great peace as well. Yeah. So let's talk uh, just a little bit about the charism of the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George. What is it that, that your order specifically does? Sure. So um, whereas many communities, the charism and the apostolate are one and the same, for us it's a little bit different. Our charism is pretty broad. It's to make the merciful love of Christ visible. So the bottom line is that we're sharing Christ's mercy with the world. And because of that, there's lots of different ways that it can take shape. So therefore, we have sisters who do are, are working in healthcare. We have sisters in education from pre-K all the way through college. We operate a daycare center, a nursing home. Uh, we're involved in taking care of retired priests in, in the Diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska. So lots of different things and ways of, of bringing Christ's mercy to the people that we encounter. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the people who listen to the show are in the, the Oklahoma area, both in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City and the Diocese of Tulsa. And in Tulsa, oh, we have some some daughters, uh, some, some sisters of St. Francis at, uh, I believe it's St. Catherine's Parish. And they yes, help run. Yes. They're, they're teaching at the grade school, yeah. and uh, they they live at St. George Convent there. So three sisters are, are teaching there. So let's talk a little bit here on this this Pentecost of the role of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is is one that we have a little bit more trouble defining the person of the Trinity. God the Father mm-hmm. makes sense to us. 
in in this God had kind of a way, and that God the Son makes sense to us because there's a tangible expression of him through the cross that we receive him in the Eucharist every week. Uh, the Holy Spirit's a little bit trickier of how to get our mind around that person of the Trinity, that that this this person that proceeds from the Father and the Son and yet is distinct from them in, in his operation in our lives. Talk to me just a little bit about how you see this role of the Holy Spirit uh, operating. Sure. So, um, I actually, I've, I've had a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit for quite some time. I think it was, I was a junior in high school when the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, was preparing us for the great Jubilee year. And, you know, each of the years leading up to the year 2000, he dedicated a different person of the Trinity. And in the year 1998, uh, it was the year of the Holy Spirit. I was asked to help with a retreat in my diocese and charged with giving some talks about the Holy Spirit, but I had the same problem. Like, okay, I don't really know how to wrap my mind around it. And so my youth minister took me into the catechism and really helped to unpack who the Holy Spirit is based on his titles and his roles and, and what he does. And I think that really opened up a relationship, like a really having a personal relationship with this Holy Spirit, who is at the same time, God, the gift of God, and the giver of life. And so we have this whole dynamic of giving and receiving, uh, yet that he is, he is the gift, but he's also the giver. So Sister Mary Carolyn, how do we then... Uh, develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit? How, how do we approach Him uh, to be open to both the giver and to the gifts that He wants to give us? Sure. So I think uh, because the Holy Spirit is, is the giver of life, is the soul of the Church, is, is the one who animates us in so many ways, it calls for a deep, a deep openness and a deep surrender and trust to say, come Holy Spirit, do your thing. I know that, uh, that's kind of, kind of what gets me through whenever I'm in a situation where I don't know what I'm doing, whether it was teaching high school for the first time or stepping into a vocation office, like, come Holy Spirit, do your thing, because I know that I don't have the words to say. I know that I don't know exactly what to do, um, but I know that you are the one who is going to reveal Jesus in the situation. In fact, there's a great paragraph in the Catechism that talks about how it is the Holy Spirit who reveals the face of Christ to us, who unveils Christ to us. And so it's calling upon the Holy Spirit to do those things and to, to be that one to unveil, to, to make visible, to reveal um, whatever needs to be revealed and, and to open up our hands to receive whatever he wants to bring us. I love that prayer there at the beginning. Holy Spirit, come do your thing. Uh, we see that at Pentecost as well as the Holy Spirit's poured out on the apostles and on those who are gathered together uh, in in worship, right? You've got those people gathered in the upper room, uh, both men and women, both apostles and disciples. And we see there in that moment uh, that the Holy Spirit animates them and gives them life and then draws them out into uh, into evangelism, empowers them for evangelism and gives them the boldness to do what they otherwise would not have done. And so we see there that the Holy Spirit is is the one who in in some way gives courage, gives weight to that situation and enables them to go out and proclaim the gospel. But I've also seen on some occasions people who are, are seeking this kind of Pentecostal experience of, uh, of the demonstrative gifts that we saw in that occasion, uh, and to the neglect in some cases, in some cases, of the fruits of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, uh, and, and so forth. And so I wonder, where do we find the balance uh, between the very obvious demonstrative gifts of the Holy Spirit and the more nuanced fruits of the Holy Spirit. Sure. So I think, uh, well, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it's pretty clear from, from Galatians that 
those fruits are all born in relationship. And so I think the closer we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and actually call upon him and, and speak to him and invoke the Holy Spirit, that's when those gifts are going to, or the, the fruits rather, are going to be manifest in our lives. I was talking to someone recently about the misconceptions that we have about the gifts. Like I think, I think sometimes we think, oh yeah, well we receive these gifts and so we're going to tap into them. Well, no, if, if we understand them as really gifts and, and gifts that are given, it's not a matter of us even tapping into them, but really merely opening up our hands to receive them in the particular moments that he wants to give them in a particular way. Um, as far as the, the more demonstrative gifts that we see in what would be called the charismatic movement, I think, you know, there's, there's room for both. And I, I have, I'm a graduate of Franciscan University, so I saw those at play very often. Um, and what I, what I think is that we, we need to come to understand the depth that's there sometimes, um, but also be very discerning in what's authentic and what's, what's not necessarily coming from the Spirit himself. So that's where the spirit of discernment also really comes in, into play. Mm-hmm. Now, I grew up in the Methodist Church, in, in that charismatic kind of uh, church. Uh, and one of the things that, that I think is good for us in that process of discernment is to realize that these gifts are not gifts for their own sake. Uh, the, the whole purpose that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church is for the sake of equipping and sustaining the body of Christ and equipping the work of evangelization. And so these gifts that are given, they come uh, through that relationship as we're listening to the Holy Spirit to walk uh, in His will, and not merely so that we have this great, uh, amazing, flashy, shiny gift to show, but that the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit uh, are in tandem. And so if you see someone doing maybe ostentatious things, but you see the lack of the the, the fruit of the Spirit, that that is part of that discernment process of saying— is this uh, an authentic move of God, or is this something that I should be uh, maybe cautious with? Sure. Yeah, I think that there definitely needs to be caution in some cases. Well, and I think part of the reason for that is not so much to be cautious of of other people, because everybody's on their own walk, and we have to allow them uh, to to grow as they would, just as we hope that they allow us to grow. But I think that we can be so easily, we can fall into that um, that thing that Jesus said, woe to the you who seek after a sign, that rather as we gaze on the crucifix, as we gaze on Christ, as we walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit, rather than chasing after some pretty little shiny thing, that it's that relationship that provides the power and not merely uh, the, the, the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, like I said earlier, it really is all about having that relationship and um, and when those fruits come, if they're very evident, like, you know, when you encounter someone, right? I know people that I've encountered, I'm like, yeah, that's the person who's in touch with the Holy Spirit, who just gets it. And they say something or, or they do something that you just, you can immediately recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in the moment. We're talking today with Sister Mary Carolyn. She's the vocation director for the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George. And we're talking about the, the person and the operation of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit operates with us in our lives, how we can be in relationship with the Holy Spirit, and what that looks like. Uh, don't go anywhere. This conversation is just getting started. Why don't you join us over at facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. And tell me about an, a time that you met someone who, who was obviously obviously in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe they said the right thing at just the right time. Maybe they spoke to your soul and gave you encouragement. 
what was that thing? What did it look like? We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today about the Holy Spirit. It's a topic that sometimes can get a little dicey because people have very strong opinions about the Holy Spirit and sometimes very different opinions about the Holy Spirit. Uh, But today we're talking about what does it look like for you and for me to be in a relationship with this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, in such a way that it radically changes our lives for the benefit of others. Uh, In between the break, I was talking with uh, Sister Mary Carolyn. She's the vocation director of the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George. And we were talking about, you know, sometimes you you see these these more demonstrative gifts of the Holy Spirit, and and you look at them, maybe the skeptic looks at them and says, uh, oh, that's just craziness, that's just foolishness. And yet, even in the story of Mary being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and bringing about the incarnation of Jesus Christ— that's a very foolish-looking thing that the Holy Spirit asked her to do, and she entered into it willingly. She entered into that foolishness. And just like St. Paul says uh, that the wisdom of God is is looks like foolishness to men. And so, Sister Mary Carolyn, thank you so much for being on the show today and talking to us about this, this third person, this Holy Spirit. Sure. It's great to be with you. So let's talk a little bit about Mary as our example of, of how the Holy Spirit interacting with Mary mirrors uh, how the Holy Spirit interacts with us and the Church. Well, I think I think that um, Mary, as the spouse of the Holy Spirit, as the one who's overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, gives us a great paradigm of what, what it can look like for us if we really open ourselves to the working of, of that same Spirit in our own lives. Um, there's this amazing section of the Catechism where it talks about what exactly the Spirit does in Mary. And the first thing that it says is that the Spirit prepares Mary by grace, and that's the whole the whole notion of the Immaculate Conception, that overshadowing then that takes place at the Incarnation is really a fulfillment of what's already taken place in her heart as she's opened herself completely to the will of the Father, that God is able to dwell in her because of that. It's because of that that she's able to be called full of grace. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Holy Spirit is the one who fulfills the Father's plan through the Incarnation and through her yes. Those are the first two kind of ways that um, that the Spirit works in her life, and then is able to show the Son to us through um, through that same overshadowing, and finally to allow men to enter into communion with God. Like it's actually because of the Holy Spirit's working in Mary's life and Mary's openness to that Spirit that we are able to enter into communion with God at all. And so then that's mirrored uh, then in the way that the Holy Spirit interacts with the whole of us. Correct. Yes. So as we look through salvation history and see the way that, that God brings the church about and that prepares us for the gift of the church at Pentecost through the way he gathers Israel and, and brings people together and, and starts to build his family, and then he fulfills the plan of the Father in the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost, allowing us to, to see that the, the church is the true temple of the Holy Spirit and allows us, obviously, to enter into communion with Christ, especially in the Eucharist, where the same overshadowing takes place at the apoclesis of the Mass in order to turn the ordinary into the extraordinary and the very body and blood of Christ, which sustains us and allows us to enter that communion and to grow. So here, one of these key things that we've spoken about throughout the show is the need to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
talk to me a little bit about how that, what that relationship looks like. How does one foster a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Sure. So I think, again, the key to, to this relationship is an openness. Uh, even just praying the simple prayer, come Holy Spirit, that invocation that the Church uses so often, and especially we'll pray on Sunday uh, so beautifully at, at Pentecost, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. There's a sense where the, where the Spirit can go, <laughs> where we're the Father and the Son can't necessarily always penetrate. Not that I mean, they always go together. I don't want to be a heretic here. They always right. go together. Their mission is always together. Uh, but there, but there's something about the Spirit and the invisibility of the of the Spirit versus the visibility that we have in our minds of, of a Father figure of, of God as Father or of the Son, who of course becomes incarnate. That there's an ability there. So inviting that, and I also. I grew up on the ocean, so I love images of, of water, and, and water and fire and wind are all images of the Spirit, so the sense of the breeze, like what does the fresh breeze do? It refreshes, it renews, it restores. Uh, and in the, in the sequence for Pentecost, again, some of these images come out very beautifully, and I think that's what he wants to do in our lives. We have to, we have to invite that. So even praying the, Pen, praying the Pentecost sequence anew this year, not just for the Church in general, but even for ourselves, like what, what that could look like if we, if we approach the Lord with a new openness in that way. Mm-hmm. And what a what a scary thing it is to pray that kind of prayer with openness. <laughs> it, there's this sense that if I am truly saying "Come to the come, Holy Spirit," to this uh, this animator, to this th- this person who gives life and sustains, and also creates action uh, and prepares for evangelization. If I'm saying that, that I'm saying basically what Mary said. Uh, let it be done to me according to your will, right? As we invite the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden we're opening up the possibility that we have to then enter into uh, into sacrifice and to listen to the promptings and the in the direction of God for our life. Well, and thankfully, like I said earlier, those gifts will always accompany where they're necessary. So in those moments where we feel compelled to go speak to someone or to say something difficult, the gift of fortitude is going to be welling up within us. It's not, oh, I need to call him the gift of fortitude. It's the Holy Spirit is going to come when we call him with exactly the gift that we need at that moment. Sister Mary Carolyn, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me how your relationship with the Holy Spirit affected your journey into religious life. Sure. So as I said, the Holy Spirit's job is to unveil the face of Christ. And I think throughout my life, I've, I've just seen that um, as I went to Franciscan University, as I followed the Spirit to my, my first job in Tennessee. I'm from Rhode Island, so I'm a total East Coast girl, and I ended up, <laughs> ended up in Tennessee, and then uh, following him to the convent, following him to, the relig- to religious life. It was kind of a gradual unfolding, and I think the, the phrase that I usually use in telling my vocation story is, St. Irenaeus is the glory of God is man fully alive. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, we call him the Lord and the giver of life. And so I think when we tread where the Lord is leading us, there's a sense of life that wells up within us as we take those steps and walk our way into his will. And so just kind of paying attention to those senses that I had that the first time I visited Franciscan University, my dad said, enjoy the visit. You're not going here. It's too far away, too expensive. And what are you going to do with a theology <laughs> degree anyway? You know, uh, but when I, I stepped foot on campus, I knew that there was something there that I wanted and that I desired and that the people there were going to be uh, people who supported me in this walk. And so I became fully alive and I don't think I could name it fully alive until I was getting ready to leave that place, and I thought back to the gift that it had been to be there. And as I was preparing to leave that place, I had a job opportunity come up in Tennessee, and I thought, gosh, why would I want to move to Tennessee? Like, I'm a Rhode Island, East Coast city girl. Like, I don't know if this would work out. And the first time I ever talked to the priest on the phone about the job, that same fullness of life welled up within me. In fact, 
I remember I was talking on my, my Nokia box phone back in the day, and I was, I was like, literally dancing around in my dorm room, and I thought if anyone was at the window outside seeing this, they'd think I was crazy, because I was so full of life as this priest was sharing his vision for his parish. It was matching exactly what, what my passions were, and I, was, I had that fullness of life, so I followed him to that job, and then uh, as I was living in this, as this, doing this work and loving working in evangelization for the church and had a great sense of community down there, I realized there was something still missing, and so... I thought, oh gosh, I think I know what this is. <laughs> and, I, and I visited our community for the first time. When I walked through the door, that same fullness of life welled up within me. And I thought, okay, Lord, you use this fullness of life to lead me to Franciscan University. You use this fullness of life to lead me to Paris, Tennessee. I can't help but, but kind of not guess, but I kind of have a sense that this is the same fullness of life you're using to lead me here. And I have to at least go. And if it's not it, you're going to have to be the one to shut the door because this has been your lead of love in my life, has been the uh, the sense of, of the Holy Spirit being the Lord and the giver of life and bringing that fullness of life. Yeah. So, Sister Mary Carolyn, what I hear you saying uh, is that far from being this this fearful thing of allowing the Holy Spirit to do whatever, uh, lead wherever he will, you experienced quite the opposite, that yes, the Holy Spirit led you places you would never go, and yet in doing so, he always led you to uh, to a, a fulfillment that that you couldn't have gotten any other way. Oh gosh, and there's, there's so much joy. And again, those fruits of the Spirit are going to be very evident. You know, when you're doing, when you're walking in the will of God and you're, you're attentive to the movements of the Spirit, the adventure that comes along and the fruits that come along are, are unbelievable. And I just think about where it's, where it's led me, the opportunity to serve in the different missions and apostolates that I've served in, mostly teaching high school, uh, and just the beauty and the joy that comes with that. And the opportunity to, right now to, to do a lot of traveling and to encounter lots of different people, many of whom are, are Working in the in the active apostles of the church, I'll have the opportunity with net ministries, with focus uh, missionaries, with uh, life team missionaries. So there's so much going on, and these are all people who are opening themselves up to the work of the Spirit in their lives. Mm-hmm. So, real quickly, as we close, uh, what would you say to a young woman who who is considering, uh, but not sure if she can really do it, but considering entering into religious life, uh, both about the joy of religious life and about your specific order? Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and extend this to young men who are considering taking the leap and going to seminary, and even to young couples that are dating and discerning the possibility of marriage. I think um, that for all of us, in whatever state in life we're called, there's there's something in the power of saying yes, and of opening up your hands and saying, I can't, you can, you promised, please do. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but you take the lead, and I give you permission. I remember praying the prayer, Lord, I give you permission to take over my life, and that kind of wrecked me, <laughs> but it wrecked me in all the best ways. And I think that that's uh, as dangerous as a prayer as that it might be. It's actually the most powerful prayer you might ever make in your life, and it'll lead you into a joy and a fulfillment that you'll you'll never know otherwise. And so, um, the Lord, a vocation is a gift from God, and it's not a gift that's going to like you know self destruct or something like that. It's it's definitely a gift that He wants to sustain, and that the Holy Spirit very much uh, sustains all of us again in whatever state in life it is we're called. We've been talking today with Sister Mary Carolyn. She's the Vocations Director of the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr of St. George. And we've been talking about the role and the person of the Holy Spirit and how to develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit as we approach Pentecost. To find out more information about the the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George, go to altonfranciscans.org. That's A-L-T-O-N franciscans.org. 
Don't go anywhere. We're going to continue this conversation with a beautiful reading from church history and scripture, as well as together looking at that sequence of the Holy Spirit that we sing every Pentecost. Join us over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls and talk to me about your experience with the Holy Spirit. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Uh, We've had a great show so far. We've been talking with Sister Mary Carolyn. She's the Vocations Director of the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George. You can find out more information about them over at altonfranciscans.org. That's A-L-T-O-N, franciscans.org. If you missed any part of today's show or you want to share it with someone you know and love, have no fear. You just go right over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click on Episode Archives, and everything we've done is right there. You can listen either by going chronologically, and of course, the most recent one's always up at the top, or over in the sidebar, you can click on the name of the guest and see all of the times that they have come on the show. Now, today we've been talking about the, the person and the operation of the Holy Spirit. Here as we're approaching Pentecost, that day that that God sent his Holy Spirit upon the apostles and the disciples and founded the church. This is our birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday. Uh, we're red, right? With the, something I used to do uh, back before I was Catholic, but I know a lot of Catholic churches do it as well, is everybody in the congregation will find some kind of red to wear as a reminder of that day that the Holy Spirit came upon us all, and also as a, as a physical prayer saying, hey, we're open to it again, right? Holy Spirit, as Sister Mary Carolyn said earlier, Holy Spirit, come do your thing, right? Uh, and so if, you, if you're so inclined, join me tomorrow as you go to Mass and, and find something red to wear. Now, Let's, let's spend some time looking at what the church says to us about the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at three things today. It's a little bit out of, out of the ordinary, I know. Uh, normally, we do our reading from Scripture and our reading from church history. Today, we're going to start with the sequence, the sequence which comes after the epistle and before the gospel uh, on Pentecost Sunday. And we're, we're going to read it in English, don't worry. You're not going to have to translate Latin over the radio. Uh, let's listen to this beautiful ancient sequence. Come, Holy Spirit, come, and from your celestial home shed a ray of light divine. Come, Father of the poor. Come, source of all our store. Come within our bosoms shine. You of comforters the best. You, the soul's most welcome guest, sweet refreshment here below. In our labor, rest most sweet, grateful coolness in the heat, solace in the midst of woe. O most blessed light divine, shine within these hearts of yours, and our inmost being fill. Where you are not, we have not, nothing good indeed or thought, nothing free from taint of ill. Heal our wounds, our strength renew. On our dryness, pour your dew. Wash the stains of guilt away. Bend the stubborn heart and will. Melt the frozen, warm the chill. Guide the steps that go astray. 
on the faithful who adore and confess you evermore, and your sevenfold gift descend. Give them virtue's sure reward. Give them your salvation, Lord. Give them joys that never end. Amen. Alleluia. There's just a few times in the church year that we have a sequence, these beautiful uh, songs, poems, uh, offerings, prayers, uh, that have a, they follow a very specific uh, format. It's a certain kind of writing, this sequence. And this one can certainly serve as, as a powerful prayer and invocation individually as well as in the corporate sense that we'll celebrate it tomorrow. Now let's take a look at the reading from, again, from tomorrow, uh, from the epistle, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, where we hear Paul say this, Brothers and sisters, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God, who produces all of them in everyone. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. As a body is one, though it has many parts— And all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one Spirit. That reading comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. And it's a reminder, as what we talked about earlier, that every spiritual gift that we receive is given for some benefit. It's not an end unto itself, but rather it empowers us for some other thing, whether it be uh, internal, uh, personal uh, fortitude and strength, or whether it be some evangelistic gift that we're able to, uh, with boldness like Peter, go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's reading from Church History, we're going to pull from the Treatise Against Heresies by St. Irenaeus, and he says this of the sending of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord told his disciples to go and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, he conferred on them the power of giving men new life in God. He had promised through the prophets that in these last days he would pour out his Spirit on his servants and handmaids and that they would prophesy. So when the Son of God became the Son of Man, the Spirit also descended upon him, becoming accustomed in this way to dwelling with the human race, to living in men, and to inhabiting God's creation. The Spirit accomplished the Father's will in men who had grown old in sin and gave them new life in Christ. Luke says that the Spirit came down upon the disciples at Pentecost, after the Lord's ascension, with the power to open the gates of life to all nations and to make known to them the new covenant. So it was that men of every language joined in singing one song of praise to God, and scattered tribes, restored to unity by the Spirit, were offered to the Father as the firstfruits of all the nations. This was why the Lord had promised to send the Advocate. He was to prepare us as an offering to God, like dry flour, which cannot become one lump of dough, one loaf of bread, without moisture, we who were many could not become one in Christ Jesus without the water that comes down from heaven. And like the parched ground, which yields no harvest unless it receives moisture, 
We who were once like a waterless tree could never have lived and borne fruit without this abundant rainfall from above. Through the baptism that liberates us from change and decay, we have become one in body. Through the Spirit, we have become one in soul. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of God came down upon the Lord, and the Lord in turn gave this Spirit to His church, sending the Advocate from heaven into all the world, into which, according to His own words, the devil too had been cast down like lightning. If we are not to be scorched and made unfruitful, we need the dew of God. Since we have our accuser, we need an advocate as well. And so the Lord in his pity for man, who had fallen into the hands of brigands, having himself bound up his wounds and left for his care two coins bearing the royal image, entrusted him to the Holy Spirit. Now through the Spirit, the image and inscription of the Father and the Son have been given to us, and it is our duty to use the coin committed to our charge and make it yield a rich profit for the Lord. That reading comes from the breviary today, uh, well, actually from tomorrow, uh, and it's from St. Irenaeus, his treatise against heresies. These readings from, from Scripture and from church history today, I think, give us just a very balanced picture of who the Holy Spirit is as the, the third person of the Trinity, uh, that the Holy Spirit is, is the one who comes to give us life, who comes to give us unity, who comes to give us strength and fortitude, that these gifts of God which are given to us, that every good and perfect gift which comes from God comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Now, I was, as, I, as I was reading that reading uh, from Against Heresies, something stood out to me, and it was that in Christ, according to St. Irenaeus, uh, the Holy Spirit first became accustomed to dwelling in man, in the creature, in we who are uh, creation and not God. And I'm like, well, you know, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, well, but we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and I noticed something. All the way up until this place, uh, we up until the cross, until Pentecost, we see in Scripture where it says the Holy Spirit came upon Samson. The Holy Spirit came upon John the Baptist. And here, here we hear from Paul saying, you are temples of the Holy Spirit. The language changes from being one of a mantle that's put on to being an indwelling. And that's what we have is... is Christ promised his apostles, he promised his disciples, I, I'm leaving you, but I will not leave you as orphans. And so here we have this, this Holy Spirit of God that gives us strength from day to day. And so every morning in the, in the breviary, that first prayer, the first words that you utter, and, and I utter this in the morning just as soon as the alarm goes off, uh, before I even pull out the breviary to pray. Uh, I say those words, Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will proclaim your praise. It's this, this idea of, okay, Holy Spirit, come do your thing. 
That's all the time we have for this week. Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls outside the walls is made possible by the generous contributions of our friends of the show. For more information and showtimes, visit outsidethewalls.com. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.